0: good evening and welcome to yet another episode of the empty stance podcast unlike the number of teams left at this year's euros 108 in the studio but i'm definitely not here alone ay how are you doing today Yeah, I'm doing good, man. It's been a good day. How about you? Hope you're I'm, doing good. I'm very, I'm very well, bro. Um, been a very, 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 very lovely um round of sixteen. Um, started with the bank, with the country. Almost everyone is behind Denmark, getting four goals past um Wales on Saturday's first round of sixteen game. It anyway, how was Denmark's performance in that game, man. Do you think they can repeat what they did in 1992 and go all the way and win these tournaments?
1: I think Denmark were brave. They were brave to calculated.
2: There's the tendency when you tend to play fo- with emotions in football, you don't calculate. But Denmark was a controlled performance from, well, beginning of the game was Wales, but when Denmark started, to get themselves back to the game. And they took control of the game from Dolbeck's goal. I think Denmark were brave. They were quite brave. They were not just brave, they were calculated. And when you, te- when you use emotions to play football, you tend to be rash or not, not be calculated. But Denmark, they were actually calculated. And as them going for the tournament, I don't think they can. Uh, Czech Republic is a far better team. They certainly have more chemistry, given the fact that they've played together for quite a while in the Slavia Prague team. So I don't think Denmark can go as fast as, as they did in '92. No, I, no, I'd be surprised if they do. It's football; anything can happen, but I don't think they can.
0: Oh, okay, that's that's very very good, Um, thanks for that feedback. Truth is, um, everyone always says what they want about um supporting teams upsets and so on and so forth but it's good with what you said about Denmark
1: right so we saw out of Hitler annoying eleven soldiers from Austria to frustrate
2: Italy and the other the, the game on Saturday uh, so, what do you think about the performance, given the fact that Italy's defence is not as, they're not as, um, what's the word I want to use, they're not as immortal as they were before, as they've been before, and they're letting they let the first goal in probably, what, a hundred and, I think, 20 minutes. Yeah. So, what, what do you think about Italy's performance?
0: Um, so, I feel like their defence is not what it used to be. Or let me put it like this. Florence is out. Chiellini is out. Francesco Achebe plays well in a back three. Mancini doesn't want to change to a back three because he wants to play with a midfield of three people. Um, Barella, Locatelli, or Veratti, and of course, Jorginho. So he has to make a big decision on how he wants to play in the quarterfinal game ball. Before we get into previewing their game with Belgium, I want to go go about that game. I feel like the reason why they consider it wasn't solely down to um, the fact that Francesco Achebe started ahead of um, Giorgio Chiellini. Locatelli has helped to cover up Giorginio's defensive frailties all tournament. So him not starting that game was a bad decision, in my opinion. If Verratti was to start, he should have started in place of Barella. Because Barella and Verratti, I feel like they are similar mid- um, type of midfielders. They are ball carriers, box to box. You can pick the pass, counter press, and so on and so forth. So I just feel like the reason why that game panned out as it was, was because of how Italy set up from beginning. It was Jorginho's first game in the tournament. It looked lost. It looked completely far off from his performance against Wales in the last group stage game. And I just feel like it can only get better for the Azuri. I just feel um, Roberto Mancini has to make some decisions. Will he start um, Gianfranco Chiesa ahead of Domenico Berardi? Willis start Manuel Locatelli ahead of Verratti. So those are some big decisions he has to make. Then if Kelly is fit, is Kelly going to come back in place of Achebe or is he going to go into a back three? So these are all tactics and, um, how I put it? Tactical um, nuances, like some people call it. Coach is no best. He's the one on the training ground. He's the one with them week in, week out, day in, day out. So at the end of the day, it's up to still him to know how his best team or what he feels is the best team to win a tournament or to win a game. Um, that's that about um, Saturday's action. We'll move on to Sunday. So, I mean, went to church, had lunch, box office, expecting Memphis and Wijnaldum and Denzel Dumfries to give me maximum Euro fantasy points. But one of the world's worst managers That's- had to just be a fraud on that day. I'm talking of no other person, but fraud Um, Anyway, what do you think about... Holland's game with Czech Republic vis-a-vis the red card decision and the substitutions that Frank de Boa made when Matthias League sent off. Were Holland nonchalant or were Czech Republic just brilliant with their two counter-attacking? Sorry, one was a set piece, one was a counter-attacking move. So was it was it was it a um master class from Czech Republic's coach or was Holland just awful on today?
1: Um, I'll tell you what, that particular game still stones me to, to be honest,
2: the Czech Republic and Holland game. Cause I'd never expected the Holland to play so poorly. Second half, cause first half was virtually all Holland. For most of the game, Holland, tended to dominate and they, to have, they had no tended to they had more no chances, which you'd expect them to normally talk away, given how many goals, how they tended, how they scored easily in the group stage. So I was surprised. But Czech Republic, um, I think the thing, when you're the team that's not fancied you have to wait and take a chance when it comes. And that's what Czech Republic did. They they're a very dogged team and they have this ability to nick it. Uh, the the game against England if it's the game based England, it was a bit like that. Even though they were, they didn't come out as you'd expect them to. Boyer yeah, determined, the they always they have the ability to nick games. And the red card, I don't think it's a red card. I think it's actually unfair because if you watch the game, Sheikh um sort of pushed the back. Even though he should have put the ball back, Boyer yeah, that's, that's the headache of VAR. As for Czech Republic, uh. No, I think you, there's this sort of thing where two things can exist at the same time. I think Holland's substitution, where they should have brought a defender, in and Bro- um, sorry, Fraud De Boer just decided to go for broke. Well, it's it's a thing of okay if it works for you, fine. If it doesn't work for you, bad. But yeah, Holland, Holland should have taken their chances. That's where this lacks. They should have taken because I think they had three chances. And just a bit before the red card, Daniel Marlin had a chance where he should have shot, but he decided to try and go around vaslik who wasn't having any of it. And then from nowhere, uh, Hollis scored quite quickly. So, yeah, Czech Republic, they played the game, they knew what they wanted, and they got it. The second goal is, is testament to that. Hollis just ran through the two, uh, Ronaldo and Dumfries, and just picked out shake. So, yeah. They knew what they wanted and,
1: and they stuck to their game, which you have to do most times when, you're at the, when you are at the um, on Farsi team. Right, so it's
2: uh, okay now. This is, I'm going to actually start crying when I'm asking this particular question. So, Portugal fend her European title. I were knocked out by no one other than Belgium. Yeah, cheats, really. Such a bullying team, that Belgium side. So, Ways, what, what do you think about that Portugal Belgium game?
0: Um, I'm sorry, I can drink your tears from here. Um, Ronaldo won't get to defend his Euro title ball. Like Adeco Legold said, it is what it is. Well, um, first of all, if I had my money on who would score a goal in that game, I'll put my money on all 10 players on the pitch before I put my money on Toggan Hazard. That was a belter. Um, Patricio has been brilliant all tournaments. We saw what he did against Pogba and Griezmann in the group stage, against Hungary, even if their chances were few and far. Even in the game where he drank four goals against Germany, he still put in a shift. So him being beaten by that goal is... i have forgotten what they call it. There's a popular street word for it, but I can't remember at the moment. So the game was just... It was like I predicted. Martinez safety first. Um, Portugal safety first. But, I mean, Paulinha did a job on... The Belgian midfielders and attacker. So when you say they cheated, I don't know what you mean. But there's someone I have to give credit to, even if he was in the losing team, and he's running Renato Sanchez. I mean, you know, Sanchez seems to just be that guy that comes to the party or the occasion every four years, as it were, five years. Cause I've not heard of this guy since his heroics in Euro 2016, and this guy's won a midfield battle against France and against Belgium. The only game he didn't win the midfield battle was against Germany, and he didn't start that game. Fernando Santos went with his trusted um, combination of um, William Carvalho and Daniel Pereira. So I just feel like Fernando Sanchez needs to be given credit but. not not to take anything away from Togan Hazard or Belgium. That was a game that they periodized tactically. It was won and lost in several areas of the pitch. I just feel like the only negative from their victory was the injuries to the elder, Bombom, sorry, the elder brother of the Hazard family, Edin Hazard, and I just feel it's going to be tough to predict how Belgium will set up against their next game against Italy. But it's just, it's just about who is going to answer the most questions among both teams. Because I expect a game like Belgium-Portugal when Belgium squirre off with Italy. Man. Yeah, I'm still crying. <laughs> yeah, so, anyway, back to you for this one. Saturday came, Sunday came, and we thought we had seen it all. Doberg, togan Hazard, um, Czech Republic, Hollis, Thomas Hollis, upsetting, Dutch Hats, and I mean costing. Frank Deboa, job, and of course Italy versus Austria, the Chiesa Persina um, inspired victory. But I don't know where to start from, but AY, I have to come to you for this cause that day was bonkers. In what is now called Magic Monday in European championship history, we had two games that day that produced a total of 14 goals in just 40 minutes. But I want us to start with the first game. Croatia came down from um, 3-1 down. Of course, inspired by one of the Atalanta guys that has been bowling all tournaments. Sorry, that has been benched all tournaments. <laughs> I'm talking of Pasalic. Pasalic came from the bench with about 12 minutes to go. He had a goal and an assist. Hey, what do you think happened in that game? Like the own goal by Pedri,
1: the comeback from Spain to 2-1 which became 3-1 3-3 and then
0: Ultimately, 5-3. Do you think it was a matter or a case of, um, what's the word now? Spain firing on all cylinders or Croatia just lost mental strength on the day?
1: Well, that particular game, I
2: I don't think I'll ever forget Monday. I I don't think any football fan will ever forget Monday. And I'm surprised people don't watch football, just putting it out there. As for that game, wow. You know, let me share a funny story. So I got back from work. I I was following the game. I think uh, I started the first half. And then uh, after then, uh, Pedri had scored the own goal. Oh, sorry. Unai Simon had scored the own goal. Even though it's Pedri who passed it. So I, I, I think it's a bit one, of both. Um, Sorry I to think, cut to you away. I think it was a I bit got, of
0: both. Like people are saying, there's a school of thought that says it's Pedri. School of thought says it's Unai Simon. I don't really know. But I think we should just share it.
1: 50 50, I guess. Yeah, the book carried the baby. Even though I'd want Pedri to be blamed more since
2: he plays for Barcelona. Ah. Yeah, so uh, that game. So, yeah, I got back. What? Well, I think I got back. Uh, it was 1 1. Was it 1 1? Yeah, it was 1 1 when uh, Sarabia scored and they were in the second half. So, I just got back what, 10 minutes and as P scored, I was like, oh, shit. So, I still, I was still having hope. Then, the whole foul thing where Croatia seemed like they went ready at Paris, I'm um, sorry. Why am I saying Perisic? Laporte just pinged one pitch of a pass to uh who got in front of Guardiola and scored. So yeah, I thought, okay, it's done. So, but out of nowhere, Modric ran through, got to the byline, and also scored. Same also who broke Tottenham hearts. I'm crying again. But yeah, so, and I was hoping, I was like, okay, could anything just happen? And then from nowhere, from absolutely nowhere, passing leads, just nicked in and just, that is such, that, that, that header, oh, my God. I, I don't know what to use, but this is what I did. So when that goal went in, I just shouted, went, my knees, <laughs> my knees still feel it. Man, that game was something else, bro. It was something else. It was something else. And do you know what? Just before Morata scored, I think what five minutes before he scored, they had a chance. And it fell to Clamorage, Leicester City. Cambridge. Then you had one a bit after, but had Croatia scored that goal? Then they probably would have won. So I don't really know what to call it. I think Croatia gave it the all, and they just ran out of batteries. That's what just happened. Yeah, and I think the two goals came almost immediately after each other. One Morata scored. I think what three minutes after uh, Oyarzabal, just uh, Daniomo. Yeah, Daniomo actually changed that game for Spain. Yeah, I don't know why he doesn't get talked about that much, but he t- he changed that game for Spain. So so yeah, the two goals came after each other. And yeah, that's just not to Croatia. Yeah, that was a beautiful day. Yeah. I'm just waiting for us to talk about France, Switzerland. Yeah, that's what I'm voting for.
0: We'll get to that, but before we get to that, I just want to um I want to just make one or two comments about something you said. So first things first. Um Once I saw Percy wasn't playing that game, I knew there was a limit to which Croatia could achieve. But I mean, that game entering extra time, I mean, it shows that, okay, Croatia, they could could go all the way. But Mm. it's the Daniomo point. Daniomo is a player I read very well. But the problem is, in this type of side, you have regulars you have a coach that does not want to change his midfield three. So he's playing Koke, Pedri, Busquets, every game. And of course, our beloved Morata. So the only question is, who is starting on the wings for him? Is it Sarabia, Ferran Torres, Danny Omo, Gerard Moreno, and so on and so forth? Who is starting a fullback position for him? Is he using Marcos Laurenti, Expliqueta. At left back, is he using Jose Gaya or um, Jody Alba? And at center back, although very, very surprising, I think his backer, La Masia, and um, Bias is getting to him. He has started playing Eric Garcia over Pal Torres. I hope he regrets that decision because, I mean, Eric Garcia is a good defender, no doubt, but. I think Paltorres had a stellar season and has earned the right to have a first-team share for Spain based on his performance of last season. So, Daniomo is good, but the times that Daniomo played, even if you can't really judge group stage performances, I mean, the year Spain won World Cup and they won Euros, they were never the team that would get 100% in group stage, either they lose a game or they draw a game. So... Spain not having a perfect group stage tournament, I'm even scared that they may go all the way. I just hope it doesn't happen because I don't want Luis Enrique to win a tournament with making two funny decisions in terms of travelling with 24 players and not picking anybody from Real Madrid. I still make a case once in a while that if he didn't carry Ramos because of age and injury, he should have carried Nacho. So um, anyway, that's just what I wanted to say about um, that game. And we'll go on a short break now. And when we get back, we'll review the other game from Monday night, which we now call Magic Monday. And we're back. Um, So before we went on break, we're talking about um, Magic Monday and the first game from Magic Monday. That is the Spain versus Croatia tie. And the conclusion we both made was Luis Enrique is... is is, is getting away with his retro ideas and decisions so far. But um, I hope... I don't know what AY thinks. He doesn't get... Um, to go all the way, so that it won't pay off that he traveled with twenty four players and didn't carry anybody from Real Madrid, packed all his guys from Barca and he won a tournament so um.
1: Right, so I know you're a huge Jose fan. I don't know
2: why anybody would not support Jose, but Granit Xhaka proved why um, Jose wants him to come to Roma. Like he literally is chasing him. Okay, I don't run enough time, but yeah, everyone gets what I mean. And that performance against France was was something else. I think that pass, that pass needs to be studied. Now, in that game, that game seemed to have everything from when Zoffari scored to the missed penalty. To when France just breezed through Switzerland and Pogbasco, oh, okay. So what do you think about was that was that the game no one expected the unfancy side to win? Aka the upset. Do you think that is the archetype archetype of upset? You think that is that is like that's the game where you should place what? I think like five hundred right now you can cash out like, I don't know, probably 100 grand because of how much the odds are against the unfancy side.
0: Ah, so many questions. I don't know where to start from. So it's it's a pity that Granit Xhaka won't be playing the last eight game. But like I said, when we get to preview, we'll talk about the quarterfinal games. For the sake of the review, um, when Mario went to Rome, I was like, okay, midfield of Pellegrini and um. Christiane and so on and so forth, why does he still need Shaka in that midfield? There are a lot of combative midfielders, there's Mkhitaryan who just signed a new deal and so on and so forth, but um, not to delve much into club football, Shaka proved why Mario is so desperate to sign him before the transfer window runs. And I want to talk about that game. So first things first, there were three games that I couldn't predict when the round of 16 games were drawn. Holland Czech Republic, Croatia, Spain, and... um, England, no, sorry, Ukraine, Sweden. The rest, either I predicted and it came to pass, or I predicted and it casted. Um, That game had everything. Outside shots, counter-attacking, Benzema's flick. I, I don't know, like a missed penalty. I can go on and on and on and on. That game had everything. And I thank God that even if I had a bad day because I missed the Croatia-Spain game, I didn't see it live, although I've seen highlights, I didn't miss that France versus Switzerland game because there was just something about that game at 1 0, it felt like once France changes to a back four, everything will work. At 3 1, it felt like France had cruise control. But there's a joke that the time Popeye used to celebrate his third goal, France would have used it to score two goals. I mean, that's just banter. But that game had everything, he had everything, to be honest. Like, I don't know if I can see any upset that could be better or bigger than that, because it was just a case of, you could see it coming, but you couldn't call it because of the quality that exists in the French team. So at 3-3, you you're like, okay, Switzerland is unlikely to get the next goal. The penalty shootout, Switzerland didn't look like they were going to miss. I, I think I was watching with my brother and I told him, this shootout is going to be longer than United versus Villarreal, except, Personnel: Kim and Kylian Mbappe looting, take, um, have a go at taking spot kicks. And when Kim scored, I was like, "Wow, maybe these guys actually did a job on training ground." And then the person or the second person I predicted that will miss missed and became the villain of the day. I'm talking of no other person but the Golden Boy, the 22 year old PSG star, Kylian Mbappe. Um, before we go into the next question, I just want you to tell me what you think, Ay. EY, I want us to talk about Kili Anupapi at this tournament. How awful was his performance? And do you think he's one of those people that achieved too much too early, so that hunger isn't really there to spur him on to complete football? I mean, this one has won everything except the UCL and Euros at 22 my brother, people in their thirties can't boast of such a CV. Kilan Mbappe can do that at
1: twenty-two. Kila Mbappe, um,
2: do you know? I think, I don't think I've seen any player has any forward as as quick and decisive as Mbappe is. Apart from the fact that he has so much potential, he he he's an extremely focused footballer. He's a professional, first of all. But even as a professional, things don't work out. Whether it is you're in a footballer, whatever it is you're doing, things tend not to work out. And I don't think it's fair if someone probably says uh he's not having hunger. Is this is it is just not his tournament. I mean, it's even before I took the penalty, I said, nah, he's going to miss. I knew he was going to miss penalty too. But I don't think... It 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 probably just happened. Yeah, he should have scored. Yeah, this game he should have scored at least probably one or two. Because of... I think another thing, you know, I'm not saying he's in the same or close to Ronaldo and Messi, but you know, you set standards so high. You have to keep up the standards. And even when you calm down a bit, then everyone comes for you. So... It's expected, but yeah, I don't think that um, I don't think it's fair. I don't think Mbappe is out of hunger. I just think it's just a case of bad luck, running for a long period of time, which is abnormal. But yeah, I just think it's bad luck for Mbappe. Yeah. But yeah, quick question: Do you think that Benzema's flick was intentional? Michael always said it's probably better than Burkhardt. Okay, no, he said it's actually it's actually in court better than Burkham's goal against Newcastle. So do you think Pesma actually meant that touch?
0: Well, we'll find out when we come back from our break. Yeah, um, we just got back from our last break of today's episode. Sorry, but I mean, what's life without breaks? After all, we're currently on the international break. Yeah, I know that was dry. So um, before I went on break, Ewa was asking me about what I thought about Benzema's flick. Was it intentional or not? So me, I just feel like there are some times that we do skills and we are not sure if it will work. So I think it was intentional, but I don't think Benzema thought he would score from the flick. So did he purposely do the flick? Yes. Did he think he would score? I don't think so. It was just an attempt. It's like when someone shoots from outside the box, Uri Thilemas, Popoppa, Shedan Shakiri, and so on and so forth. They do these things because it's skill. They have the skill, not necessarily because they think it will go in. But I mean, that's that about that. Let's not dwell um, too much time talking about people that have already gone to start their precision preparations and preview the remaining two round of 16 ties. Um, Anyway, there's a popular saying that charity begins at home, but since Nigeria gained independence, our colonial masters have won only only one major silver. With England's win against Germany, first time in over five decades, is football finally coming home?
1: By coming home, give me no FIFA or FM or um, sorry,
2: Mobile Soccer or Score Hero. I don't you think England is, I mean,
0: is England going to win a major silverware. Nah, I don't think so. Even on FIFA, it won't happen.
2: Your game will probably crack or something, or Martin Tyler won't come to thinking. Okay, sorry, no Martin Tyler. Something shall happen. It will work. Maybe on FM. Maybe they will suck you after, but it won't
1: happen. England can't win an international tournaments. No, they. Can't.
0: All right. Um, At least, even if we don't share in a lot of things and agendas, you and I have this in common. I don't think England can win, and we'll find out why when we get to the quarterfinal preview. Um, section of today's episode so um AY, you want to talk me through the last game if you don't mind yeah england germany
2: yeah uh, okay well i think that game was drab beginning it was drab
0: no not england germany uh, not england germany okay. Oh, Ukraine, Sweden, yeah? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. But if you have anything to say about England, Germany, please, be my guest. Sorry, you're my only guest.
2: Hi. Um, the England, Germany game, I wish I hadn't watched the first half, because it was, what I'd say, probably a waste of my time. All the build-up to it, it, it didn't live up to it, that, that particular game. The first half of the game, it, it didn't live up to it, and... I think there's this thing they say in economics where a lot of diminishing results I think Yogi Low, he and his squad, they've gotten to the end. That's just for Yogi Low. He's been, he's left now. Uh, the Germany um, national post. But even at that, I don't think Germany were ever going to go far. They just managed to just breeze get, naked past the Hungary. So I. I'm not surprised they're out. But I obviously, every single time, would tell England to lose. But surprisingly, England played well. Stressful, surprisingly. They're a very good team. They're actually a very good team. But they don't seem to turn up in international tournaments. I don't know why. I've got no reason why. I'm trying to put my finger on it. I can't find it. So I was surprised England actually played quite well against Germany. They were brave. They were dogged, they were organised, and when they had the chance to go forward, they didn't just pass it around, they knew what they wanted. The Sterling goal was testament to that, and even the Kane goal. Because if you notice, um, England were 10 players on the pitch then, because Rice pulled up and he was out to the pitch, and Shaw sure Beto Carlos, as he's been, famously he be called by Only Folk, aka United. He somehow managed to get the ball to Grealish as he won it back close to the center circle and Kane, yay yeah yeah yay Harry finally scored so yeah it was it was, it was it was it was a well played game from England surprisingly Southgate got it right surprisingly he did and he probably paid for his sins or oh, sorry not
1: paid for the penalty miss back in 96 yeah 96 yeah yeah Right, so Ukraine, Sweden, ah, man.
2: I am so happy Ukraine won. I can't even describe it. Okay, no, I can This
1: is what I'm going to do. So yeah, Ukraine. Oops, got ahead of myself there. Sorry, mate, at least I'm still making progress on like France, sorry,
2: on like Pogba. Right, so always in what you tag as the, uh, what in one will tag as the Blue Band in Derby, Derby because of the matching kits, oh, sorry, nearly matching kits. The last quarter final gave us drama in what looked like in a very offensive game from one of the tournament's most defensive side. Um, how, did, how did Ukraine do it? How, like, how did they play so, how, how did they pull it off?
0: So, um the beautiful thing or the beautiful part I like about always featuring on pods is not only talking about the winning teams but the losing teams I clearly remember in the group stage where we were talking about Sweden and how brilliant they are good at defending but also also mentioned sorry excuse me who also mentioned their lack of goals and we saw that in the game with Ukraine Emil Forsberg was their striker, supporting striker, attacking midfielder, winger. He, 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 international football will teach you that one man can carry a team. If not, Lewandowski would have won a, a national, an international tournament. Lionel Messi would have won the World Cup and probably two or three Copa Americas and so on and so forth. That's the beauty of international football. Sorry,
2: sorry, sorry. Sorry about yeah, there, man. Messi, Messi can't win shits. Just, I'm sorry. Just chip it in. Sorry. Okay.
0: Okay. No problem. Let's see. Let's see. At least one, one, one of one of them is still in a tournament this year. One is out. So, let's see who will laugh last. So, um, I'm going to speak about Sweden. So, Sweden depended too much on individual brilliance of Emil Forsberg and Alexander Ishak. I still don't know why Anderson didn't start Ishak and Kuesin throughout this tournament together. He wanted to always give you one young, one old for the most part of the tournament. So he did that. He plays and Ishak, Kuesin, and um, forgotten the other guy's name, the really old guy. And it paid off sometimes. It didn't pay off sometimes. I just feel like it was demeaning for Sweden to not make it true but i mean i have to always give credit to who credit is due zinchenko had a shift that day having played defensive and central midfield all tournaments shevchenko benched one of his best players um malinovsky and made zinchenko play a left wing back role, and he paid off cause he had a goal and an assist and he really really put in a shift that day so I just feel like Ukraine did it well in terms of game management, in terms of changing shape that we saw made France get knocked out, working on a particular shape, they've not used all tournaments and winning a game. But it still boils down to the fact that you can only face what's in front of you in knockout football. And if the team you are playing is bad on that day, they have to pay for it. It's not. It's not it's not it's not round robin it's not a league where you have an opportunity to redeem your um mistake or errors in the next game there is no next game you lose or you go home sorry you win or you go home i used to tag it go hard or go home so um i don't know if you have anything to say about any of the quarterfinal games they before we go into today's crickets
1: Well, as expected, England should lose and then um, Belgium should lose.
2: So that's the obvious thing because of Portugal. And uh, come on, who wants England to win? Like, England should, they just, she does lose. But yeah, um, I think the winner, I'm not trying to be in Nostradamus, but I think the winner of Czech Republic and Denmark will face the first winner of Ukraine or England. In the oh, final, yes, you're correct.
0: I, I just had no no in the semi-final, they're not on the same path. So the party spain Switzerland plays winner of Italy, Belgium.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: oh, uh... she I know Jacqueline. Uh okay, I think Jacqueline playing is going to hurt Switzerland because they don't have that. Jaka is an enforcer, but you know that there, there's some players in some teams that even if they're not playing well, because they're there, the team tends to play well. I'm not saying Xhaka is that sort of guy, but you you can't really say he's not he's not itching to inching towards towards that. So I think Jaka not playing will actually hurt Switzerland and more times will hurt another team who misses somebody else. And Spain, while well, Spain, very, very, very good side going forward they're very very good and um, unless as you would expect from on fancy teams they have to play at their utmost best as as we saw against France they have to be they have to be on it probably I don't know every single time which seems a bit unfair because they're not machines and human beings but again they have to work as hard they have to work harder than the fancy team but yeah, it's football and Spain out. okay. Yeah, everything can carrying around with you player. Okay, no, so it is, so yeah, Spain should go out, so yeah. Yeah, they need to go out
1: quickly, okay, like today.
2: So I think Switzerland gets over Spain, Belgium, anybody over England, so Ukraine in this case, then check the public Denmark. That'll be a very, very good game. I can't call the winner, but that'll be a very, very good game to watch. I think if you have anything
1: on that day, Just cancel it. I just want that game. All
0: right, Ewai. Thanks for your um, quarterfinal preview. Um, I just want to say one or two things about the quarterfinal games before we round off. So, I'm anticipating Belgium versus Italy because whoever wins that game is favored to win this time, this Euros rather. Then after that. I was anticipating Czech Republic Denmark, but right now, anyone that knocks out favorites, you really want to know what they can pull off next. So with or without Shaka, I am anticipating Spain, Switzerland next. So my plans are canceled for tomorrow and I will be home. If I have to go out, dispatch riders, please come and eat my money. You help me handle my deliveries and so on and so forth. Um, the tricky game is Czech republic Denmark because I feel like it's going to be a game that is between passion and chemistry. Having, like I like you said at the beginning of the report today, seven of the 26 members of Czech Republic's national team that were called up for this tournament have played together at Slavia Prague. I mean, I won't be surprised if Western United make a beat for Thomas Hollis at the end of the Euros, but like I said, let's leave that till when the Euros is over. And the reason why me I'm not anticipating Ukraine England is because England have a very notorious record of always losing to a team that seems to be I don't I don't know how to put it like they always lose to that team where you feel like England should brush off these guys, and when England plays a team that we feel will brush England, they win. So that's like. I think it's the South Gateway. So just the way Iceland knocked England it's, out of the It's Atlantic. going to happen again.
1: This burn is going to happen again. It it's going to
0: happen again. It may be Ukraine. It may be Jemark, it may be the Czech Republic. But anything that makes England land in the final, England are our favorites too, to win, in my opinion, because they just know how to always get results. So um, let's go to this week's quick hits before we round up on this week's episode. So um Anyway, I'll take the first one, take the second one, I'll take the third one and I'll round off today's episode. Um, so three of the eight quarterfinalists were third best place sides at the group stage. I'm talking of Czech Republic, Ukraine and Switzerland with one team finishing with three points. That's Denmark. I don't know, what does that say about um, this this tournament why?
2: Anyway. you just can't predict football that's what i love about it you just can't predict it i know this, this is the same route portugal going through to win the euros i'm not saying anything just like just like hey so yeah you just you you just can't predict football you can't do it and that's why it's such a sorry it is the most lovable sport in all parts of the globe yeah it is so you just can't predict it, it just shows if you think a team is done, they just come and be like what? So yeah
1: you can't predict football, that's just the beauty that's the beautiful thing about the game, you can't predict it Right, so second cricket, all members of the group of death, or
2: sorry group of Drop or sorry, drop or dumb. Sorry, all members of the dreaded group of death, Group F, are out of the tournaments. Wow, so France, Portugal, Germany, and Hungary. How are they all out? It doesn't. It.
0: I had an argument. What with football
2: for you? You can't predict
0: the... Yeah, sorry. Ew, if I may come in, I had an argument. So on. First one was like they should not have put three favorites in a group. And I keep telling them that it's not their fault that they got to the same group. There are pathways to qualify for the Euros. So there are 10 groups. Two winners of the groups make the Euros. First in each group, runner-ups. And eight people get to play or vie for playoffs. And the way the eight people gets the playoff finals, I think is very, very, very calculated. two-legged um, ties in different venues if due to COVID, they couldn't play at at um, home grounds or away grounds. they use a neutral venue for both ties. So it's credible enough, so it's not it's no one's fault that Portugal couldn't top their group. And they got to the same group as France and Germany that did the job, and it's not Hungary's fault that they made it through the playoff routes. So I don't like when people use words like they shouldn't have made the. The draws are done based on performance in qualifying. They can't put everyone that topped their group in the same. Um, I mean, that topped their qualifying group in the same group for the Euro finals. At the same time, there has to be a reward for teams like Ukraine, teams like Finland, and other teams that outperform in groups where you have, I mean, Finland qualified in a group that had Greece, man. Greece. Ireland. So um, yes, it's bad. It's sad for the tournament. It's sad for the flavor of the tournament that most teams are out or most favorites are out. But trust me, it's not a bad idea. Also, if you, don't you can know also say it's
2: "sad for Rabbi." Sorry, you can say it's "sad for Rabbi" too. You can. Sorry, oh, I come again? Rabbi. Okay, no. Okay. I said you can say it's also sad for Rabbi. Just WhatsApp group. Yeah, WhatsApp count. group. Okay, the joke is not. Yeah. No, I got. I,
0: I got what you said, but. I don't think most people will know him. He's on one of our um, football WhatsApp groups. But I mean, you are Ronaldo Stan as well. So an L for him is an L for you. So the last quick hits for today, two of the three players that forced games to extra time on Magic Monday were substitutes. Talking of Gravanovic and Pasalic, or Pasalic rather. And it was also a sub- that got Ukraine a ticket into the last eight. So anyway, I want you to talk about second half goals and substitutes making impacts from the bench before we round off today's episode.
1: I always love it when somebody comes on and nicks a goal later. On. It's, it's such a sweet feeling, whether it's on
2: FIFA, whether it's when I'm actually playing football or when I'm watching a game. And you, funny story, yeah, you know, the ukraine sweden game, if not Victor Classen, we never would have seen Ukraine in the round of 16. Oh, sorry, we'll never see Ukraine where they are now. Because Klaasin's goal against Poland sent Ukraine through. yeah? Funny enough. So, yeah, um, back to um, substitutes and second half goals. Yeah, I think it takes a certain, people may call it luck, but It's just trying when a manager identifies somebody and, right, okay, says you, you do this, do this, do this. But there's some managers that actually know, that have that little bit of feeling. And dare I say, dare I say, I think Chevy knew Dolby was going to score. I think he knew. Because he brought him on what, um, I think he brought him on in extra time or towards the end of the game when, um, uh, Artem, the guy whose knee got done by Danielson. So I think Chevy knew he had that itchy feeling that W was going to score. So it, it takes a certain type of manager to predict. Yeah, it takes a certain type of manager to predict. And he's been able to read the game very, very well. So I think it's obviously a combination of both the manager and the player. So, and you know what I like this game? The game is never done until the fact, sorry onto the referee versus the final, so it's, it's never over. So second half goals, late goals, substitutes are, uh, hook it, yeah, hook it right in. Love
0: it. Anyway, thanks a lot for your time, and that's it guys on this week's episode of the Empty Stands podcast. See you on Sunday at Wembley, where we'll be reviewing action from quarterfinals and previewing semifinals, of the ongoing Euros. We are the people. Oh.
2: Saddam is done.